Welcome to Westport Road Baptist Church. We're delighted that you've joined us for today's message. Westport Road Baptist Church is located at the corner of Hurstbourne Lane and Westport Road in Louisville, Kentucky. If you have a Bible, please have it handy and prepare your hearts and minds as we enter God's Word. Well, take out your Bibles and turn over to 1 Corinthians chapter 3. 1 Corinthians chapter 3. We're going to be looking at two passages of Scripture this morning, 1 Corinthians 3 and John chapter 1. We're finishing a sermon series called Taking It to the Streets, and we've seen a lot of different things during this sermon series. We've seen that every person on this planet is valuable by God, created by Him, loved by Him, and worth an all-out search, exactly what we just heard in the song. We saw that we need to treat people the way that we want to be treated. Uh, that we need to have an appreciation for how we were saved. If we truly appreciate our grace, then we'll give grace to others. And then last week, we actually walked through the plan of salvation. And we talked about how is a person saved. And we went through the Roman road and that plan of salvation. And now this morning, we're going to be looking at, okay, now, how do I actually get motivated to do this in my life? What do I do to step forward and begin to take it to the streets? That's sometimes the hardest thing. If you've been living a life and you've been thinking about yourself and not worrying so much about others, to suddenly say, okay, I'm going to start noticing people around me. I'm going to start getting involved. I'm going to start standing for just things. Uh, I'm going to start loving people. I'm going to go out of my way to be helpful and look for divine encounters and teachable moments. Sometimes that can be very intimidating. And it's hard to take that first step and to move forward when we're that way. I want to show you a a little video here. It's only about 10 seconds long or so of someone trying to make that decision to move forward and take it to the streets, but having just a little problem with that first step. That first step may be hard, but see how excited you are when you actually make it. And the same thing is going to happen in your life when you finally take that first step and begin to live a life that cares about others, reaches out to others and makes a difference. Then it's going to change everything about how you're going to live. So look over to 1 Corinthians chapter 3. The first thing we see is this. We all have a different part in God's salvation process. We all have a different part to play in the salvation uh, that God is bringing to the world. Look down in our scripture passage to verse 5. Verse 5. What after all is Apollos and what is Paul, only servants through whom you came to believe, as the Lord is assigned to each his task? Now, they were having a problem here in the church at Corinth. Paul had come in, he had preached the word, the church had been founded, uh, things seemed to be going well, and then Paul left for an extended period of time. Uh, then a new evangelist came in, his name was Apollos. Now, Paul was short and, and bald-headed and had bad eyes. Apollos came in, he was tall, good-looking, and the boy could flat preach, okay, when he got there. And so suddenly some people were saying, well, I was saved by Paul. And others were saying, well, I was saved by Apollos. And there kind of became a division in the church. Are you following Paul or are you following Apollos? Now look back to verse 5 again. Paul says, well, who's Apollos or who am I? We're just servants through whom you came to believe the Lord assigned to each of us a task. So each of us has a task to play in the salvation of another individual. Look down to verse 6 as we keep going. He says, I planted a seed because he founded the church. Apollos watered it. In other words, he helped and encouraged your faith. But it's God that makes it grow. So Paul says, I planted Apollos waters, but it's all for the glory of God. You know, sometimes when it comes to 
leading somebody to salvation, when it comes to telling someone about the Lord, we think we have to do the whole process at one time. And so that causes a lot of divisions. Just like in their day, we say, well, am I, am I Paul? Am I Paulus? What do we say today? Well, I'm, I go to Westport Road Baptist Church, or I go to Southeast Christian, or I go to Northeast Christian, or Crestwood Baptist, or Springdale. And we tend to divide ourselves up by churches. But the truth of the matter is Westport Road Baptist Church isn't in competition with Southeast or Northeast. If Southeast Christian leads somebody to the Lord, if Springdale Community leads somebody to the Lord, we're better because of it. We're on the same side. We're fighting the devil. We're not fighting one another. And so there's not us or them. It's all together for the glory of God. That's what this is about. Some are going to plant the seed. Some are going to water But again, we think when it comes to leading somebody in the Lord, you've got to do everything all at one time. You've got to get the whole gospel presentation in there. But Paul says, well, one person's going to plant a seed. Another person's going to water. God's going to get the increase. It used to be very intimidating for me to think about witnessing to somebody at all. When uh, I had first gone into ministry, uh, Southern Baptist had a program called Continuing Witness Training. Anybody remember that? Nobody? Okay, some of you, yeah. Some of, you, some of you die in the wool Baptist. I took a three-day seminar at Walnut Street Baptist Church. In three days, we went over th- these three binders here. And after we got all three binders stuffed into us in three days, we were told, now go out onto the street in the last session and witness to somebody and make sure you get everything in there. You know, you give them all three binders when you get them, you know, and you get there. Well, you know, that would have taken 10 or 12 hours, you know, to go through all three binders. So they sent us out. I was in a group of like seven people. And we're walking up and down the streets by Walnut Street Baptist Church trying to find one unsuspecting person to throw all three binders at them. And they had given us a card. And the card said, this is somebody that at some point in history had visited Walnut Street. And so stop by and see them. And, and give them the three binders. And so I, we knocked on the door and the people that used to live there didn't even live there anymore. A nun lived there. But we had our task. And so we went over all three binders with the nun. And when we got through, she, she thanked us, said she believed all that, hugged us and kissed us and wished us a good time. But we felt good because we'd gone through all three binders when we were there. So that's sometimes how we view Salvation. I've got to get it all in here at one time. But look again at what Paul says. We all have a different part of the process. For some of us, the part of the process is the planting of the seed. Verse 6 again. I planted the seed, Paul said. So he came in and he established the church that was there. Uh, he, he planted that original seed, telling people for the first time about Jesus. Sometimes in life, your part of the salvation process in someone's life is going to be that you'll plant the seed. And maybe the planting of the seed was just a good word or a good deed that you did. It was, it was uh, uh, helping somebody when they were down, encouraging somebody. Uh, it might have been uh, uh, going out of your way to help somebody move or something. But they looked at you and your actions and what you were doing. They knew you were a Christian. And somehow that translated over. And in your actions, a seed was planted. So for some of us, our job is simply going to be the planting of that seed, trying to get it out there, trying to to have something take root in the life of another individual. He said, not only do I plant, the next thing he says in verse 6, though, is that Apollos came along and he watered it. So Paul was the first person that told them about Jesus, but then he had to leave. He was gone for several years. 
But then Apollos showed up and Apollos took that seed that Paul had planted and he watered it. He helped it to grow. Now, if you've ever done any gardening or farming in your life, you know that, that when you plant a seed, that's not the end of the matter. Uh, you know, there, there's then taking care of it. There's fertilizing it, watering it, uh, weeding it as it goes along. And, and so that's what Apollos did. The seed had been planted and he came around with, with, uh, with his teachings and with his word. And he began to water and help that seed to grow that Paul had planted. So sometimes in people's life, what you're going to do is you're going to water the seed. You're going to make it uh, to where uh, you encourage it and help it to grow. You reinforce what another's been taught. Sometimes your job in that process is going to be to weed. Uh, Maybe some things came into people's lives, uh, uh, some bad theology, some different ways of looking at things. And what you do is that you come in and you actually weed what's there. But we all have a different part. Some are going to plant, some are going to weed, some are going to water. But all of us are moving people towards that same goal. Bill Hybels, who's the former pastor of Willow Creek Community Church up in Chicago, tells a time that he said he felt like he was watering in the process. He said that uh, he was late uh, leaving the office one time. He was in downtown Chicago. It was rush hour. So he thought, well, I'm just going to go and I'm going to get me some dinner at a, at a local hotel across the street. said he went across the street and he got into a conversation at the restaurant uh, with a man and a woman who were there together. And he took them to be married. Later found out they were not married. Later found out they were not only not married, that the reason the couple was together there at all was that they worked at the same company and they were both gay and nobody else would go out to eat with them that night. And so he began to talk to this couple and he said that, uh, one, he said, well, I wonder, you know, why would nobody go out to eat with you? They, they told him and they said, well, you know, most of them are Christians. And he said, what do you mean? He said, well, you know, Christians, it's all about hate and judgment. And I said, excuse me? And he said, yeah. He said, you know, that God thing, it's all about hate and judgment. And he said, he told him, well, I know a little bit about God, maybe more than you think. And he said, "Uh, the God I know is all about love and forgiveness. And they said, well, that's not the one that we encountered. And Heibel says, well, I tell you what, in the future, the next time somebody mentions God to you, Replace the words hate and judgment with love and forgiveness and see if it doesn't change the way you think about God. And he said about that time, the the, uh, waiter came up and said, your table's ready. The couple walked off. Uh, The lady came over and hugged him and said, thank you. I'm going to try that. The next time I hear God, I'm going to try to substitute love and forgiveness. Now, Heibel said, I didn't go through the, the three binders or anything like that. He said, I felt my job that day was just to water a seed that had been planted and to push them a little bit further down the road. Sometimes you're going to be planting the seed. Sometimes you're going to be watering the seed. But look at the next thing he says in verse 6. I planted the seed, Apollos watered it, but God made it grow. None of us are doing this for ourselves. We're doing it for God to be glorified. And one day there's going to be a harvest. And maybe you'll be the person that will be there when the harvest comes. Maybe that you're, you're the one in that person's life that you're there at the right moment to speak a word for God and to tell them about salvation. And they're going to be saved, not just because you were a brilliant uh, giver of the gospel, but because there have been seeds planted and watered and, and weeds taken out a long time before you ever showed up. But you happened to be there when the harvest came in and the harvest was for God and God was glorified. Look at verse 7. 
So neither he who plants nor he who waters is anything, but God who makes it grow. We're all in the same business. We're all doing the same thing. And we're trying to bring people to the point of salvation. And we've got to be sensitive to where they are in the process and try to move people along. And there will be times in your life that you will be there when somebody is saved. This past Sunday, the Philadelphia Eagles uh, won the Super Bowl. Sorry to all you New England Patriot fans uh, that are out there, but you've had your share of Super Bowls. So, so it's okay as you went there. Uh, even though the city of Philadelphia burned itself down afterwards in celebration, uh, the, a lot of the, the players on Philadelphia are very strong Christians. And I don't know if you saw uh, what happened Thursday before the Super Bowl. Uh, one of the players, Marcus Johnson, one of their wide receivers, uh, talked to some of his teammates, uh, had accepted Christ, and they took him down to the hotel swimming wound pool. And the Thursday before the Super Bowl, they baptized him in the swimming pool uh, two days before the Super Bowl. And when he was asked about it, he said, well, you know, this didn't just happen today. This was a whole season of me watching players living their faith and standing and helping and caring and seeing them go to the Bible studies. Then finally going to some of the Bible studies myself and then getting to the point where I said this, if I'm about to play the most important game of my life, I want to play it ready, ready for life, not for a ball game. And so he was baptized that day. But one thing he pointed out was it wasn't a one-time event. He didn't just wake up Thursday morning and somebody said, believe Jesus, I've got three binders. And, and he said, hallelujah. <laughs> but rather what happened is that over an entire year, a seed was planted. People watered it. And then the Thursday of Super Bowl, the men standing around here got to reap a harvest. And someday you're going to be planting seeds, someday you're going to be watering, and someday you'll be fortunate enough to be the person that gets to reap the harvest when it comes in. So that's the first thing we see. We all have a different part to play in God's salvation process, and few people are saved in a one-time event. Most people, it's a process that comes as they get to know and experience and see God lived out. So now turn over to John chapter 1. John chapter 1. And now we're going to talk about, okay, how do we do that? If I'm going to take it to the streets, if I'm going to be involved in the salvation process, what are some things I need to do? Where do I start? Uh, do I start knocking on a nun's door? You know, what, what, what do I do? Where's the, where's the place that I need to start? So we'll go over to John chapter 1. And the first thing we see is this. It all begins with the people who are closest to you. It begins with your family and your friends. It begins with your family and with your friends. Now, in John chapter 1, it's really interesting. Uh, down in verse 40, uh, John the Baptist has baptized Jesus. Jesus came out. The Holy Spirit came down and said, this is my beloved son. And so John tells his disciples, this is the Lamb of God. And so some of the disciples of John start following Jesus. And we have a story of what happens uh, with two of them that are there. Uh, look down to uh, verse 37 of chapter 1. It says, When the two disciples heard him, they said this, they began to follow Jesus. And turning around, Jesus saw them following and said, What do you want? And they said, Rabbi, which means teacher, where are you staying? Come, he replied, and you will see. So they went and saw where he was staying and spent all day with him. It was about the tenth hour. 
Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, was one of the two who heard what John had said and who had followed Jesus. The first thing Andrew did was to find his brother Simon and tell him we had found the Messiah, that is the Christ, and he brought him to Jesus. Jesus looked at him and said, you were Simon, son of John, you will be called Cephas, which translated as Peter. So Andrew encounters Jesus. He, he spends the day with Jesus. He begins to believe Jesus is the Messiah. And then Andrew does something really interesting in verse 40. In verse 40, what does Andrew do? The very first thing he does after he believes in Jesus. He goes and gets his brother. Why his brother? Because that was the person that was closest to him. And so Simon is led to the Lord by his brother who shows up and says, Hey, I found the Messiah and I want you to know him as well. The next story is down in verse 43. The next day, Jesus decided to leave for Galilee. Finding Philip, he said to him, follow me. Philip, like Andrew and Peter, was from the town of Bethsaida. Philip found Nathanael and told him, we found the one Moses wrote about in the law, about whom the prophets also wrote, Joseph of Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. So when uh, we have Philip being led to the Lord, the first thing he does is he goes and gets his best friend, Nathanael. So we have Andrew getting his brother. We have Philip getting his best friend. So what are they doing? It's the people that are closest to them. So if you're thinking about where's this whole process of taking it to the street starts, it starts with your own family. Now, it doesn't mean you show up at Thanksgiving dinner uh, with your big Bible and you sit down and you say, you know, some of you are going to hell here and I'm going to save you right now before the turkey. You know, and uh, you get there. That's probably not going to go very far, you know, as you do that. But it's in your family. God placed you in your family for a reason. Maybe you're in that family so that you can show the love and the forgiveness and the grace of God. And people look at you and your life and how you're living it. They see that when they're hurting and in trouble, you're the one that's always there, that you're the one that cares. And you begin to plant seeds and water the seeds until one day there is a harvest in that person's life. And it begins with the people you love the most, your family members and your friends. Andrew got his brother. Philip got his best friend. You need to look at your life, and this isn't a gotcha kind of thing. It's not a game where you go through it trying to get another notch on your belt. It's living your life and caring and being involved with people that are the closest to you. That's all this is about. It's making a difference in the way you live each and every day. So how do we do that? First, look for teachable moments. Look for teachable moments. For John the Baptist, that teachable moment came when Jesus uh, was baptized and came out of the water. And look at verse 35. The next day, John was there again with two of his disciples. When he saw Jesus passing by, he said, look, this is the Lamb of God. And the two disciples began to follow Jesus. So that was a teachable moment. They had seen what had happened the day before. They were thinking about Jesus' baptism. Jesus shows up. John uses that teachable moment to say, you don't need to follow me anymore. You need to start following this guy. And because they were ready and willing and thinking about it at that point, they immediately left John and began to follow Jesus. See, this didn't happen in a vacuum. It wasn't like they walked up that day and John said, I know you've never heard anything about that, but that's Jesus, go follow him. They'd been thinking about it all night. They had seen the baptism. They had heard uh, the, the voice of the Holy Spirit. And now they were being led in that moment to the Lamb of God 
and to become one of his disciples. There will be times in life with your family member and your friends that there are going to be what we call teachable moments. There'll be times that they are hurting, that, that you will be there to encourage and point them to God. There'll be times that, that uh, uh, they're wondering about what decision to make or, or uh, whether or not to do this thing or to take that job. And as you are involved in their life, there will be these teachable moments that will come up where you can make a difference just because of where that person is. Uh, I guess back in September, Dawn and I took my blood clot trip out to California. And uh, we had stopped in New Mexico to eat. And uh, while I was checking out, uh, I was talking to the, to the guy who was checking us out. It was kind of like a, uh, a Moe's, Chipotle, Qdoba type of place, you know. And uh, we were checking out. And I said, how's your day been? And the guy said, oh, it's been awful. And I said, why has it been awful? And he said, well, he said, it got up late, barely had time to get to work. Then I, I ran over a nail, had a flat tire. Uh, I've, got a, I've got the little spare thing on my, my wheel now. I had to take it in and buy a tire. And I didn't, wasn't really planning on buying a tire today. It's going to take all my extra money, and it's just been a terrible day. Now, there's an opportunity there. So all I said to that guy was, well, I'm really sorry. I said, would you like for me to have a prayer with you right now? And he said, uh, Sure. And so I just, I prayed for him, I prayed for his tire and things like that, you know. And uh, we, we got through, I went over to sit down and he came walking over and he said, here's your drink cups. And he handed me three drink cups. And I said, oh, we didn't get the, the meal, we just got the, the uh, entree. And he said, no, no, no. He said, uh, I wanted you to have the drink cups too. And I said, oh, okay. So there was a moment there that I had an opportunity just to water a little bit. Or to plant a seed, maybe, for the very first time. But for whatever was there, there was an opportunity, that teachable moment. And those are the moments that you need to take. And it'll get you a free drink if you do. So it, it's even better if you do that. So there's not just teachable moments uh, that you have. As you go through it, realize it's a process and don't get discouraged. It's a process, so don't get discouraged. So Philip goes and finds his best friend, Nathaniel, and he tells Nathaniel, guess what? I found the Messiah. He's Jesus. He, he's from the town of Nazareth. And he's all excited. And look at what Nathaniel uh, tells him in verse 46. Nazareth? Can anything good come out of Nazareth? Okay, so he shows up, hey, I found the Messiah. He's Jesus of Nazareth. He's all excited. And his best friend says, Seriously? Nazareth? That little backwater hole in the wall? Nothing good comes out of Nazareth. It would be like, uh, you know, you come up and you say, I found the Messiah. He's from Shively. <laughs> I can say that because I'm from Shively, okay? That, that's, that's where I was born, you know. Okay. And he's like, you know, I don't know a lot good comes out of there, you might say that or something like that. Well, that's, that's what Nathaniel says here. Now, if you're Philip, yeah, there's, a, there's a Shively boy. All right, thank you, thank you. We're, we're all in this thing together. So uh, he says this, would that have been easy to get your balloon popped and to get discouraged? You were all excited to tell your best friend about something, and then he shoots you down. This is a process. There's seed planting, there's watering, there's weeding. Sometimes you're going to get shot down. You don't end the process just because it wasn't easy one day or it didn't work out. 
Sometimes the process is going to take years. Sometimes it's going to take a lot of prayer. Sometimes you're not going to see immediate results and you're going to think, am I just banging my head against the wall? I've been praying for this person, trying to plant and water for a long time. There don't seem to be any results, but you still go on. You don't get discouraged. You hang in there because it's worth it and they're worth it. Look at what uh, Philip says to Nathaniel in verse 46. Nazareth, can anything good come out of Nazareth? Nathaniel asked. Well, come and see, Philip said. Wow. He wasn't discouraged. He didn't think, well, my best friend just shot me down. He said, you want to see if something good comes out of Nazareth? Come on, I'll show you. Come and see. He just continues the process, and that's what we need to do. The next thing is, uh, is, is okay, there's teachable moments. Don't get discouraged. The third thing is look for divine encounters. There will be time that God places people right in front of you because he's expecting you to do something about it. He's expecting you to be involved in that planting, that watering, that harvesting that's to come. We see that when Nathanael meets Jesus. Look down in verse 47. When Jesus saw Nathanael approaching, he said, Here's a true Israelite in whom there's nothing false. How do you know me, Nathanael asked. And Jesus said, I saw you while you were under the fig tree before Philip called you. And Nathanael declared, Rabbi, you're the son of God. You're the king of Israel. So for Nathaniel, this was a teachable moment. He shows up. He's pretty, uh, uh, you know, skeptical about this entire thing. He meets Jesus. And when he walks up, the first thing Jesus says to him is, hey, there's a guy that doesn't lie to you. He's pretty, he's an honest fellow. And Nathaniel says, you never even met me. How do you know if I'm an honest fellow or not? And Jesus said, oh, I saw what you were thinking before Philip even arrived when you were standing under that that fig tree. And he thinks, wow, nobody could have known that I was on that fig tree. I was there by myself. And so he says, you're my Lord, you're my Savior. It was, a, it was a divine encounter that he had that day with Jesus. There will be times in your life, there will be divine encounters where God is going to do something in your life, bring people right in front of you because he wants you to water or plant or weed and he wants you to do something in their life. It might not seem real dramatic at the time, But if you look back later, you'll say, hey, God had me planting something there. God had me weeding something there. Had me watering something there. A while back, I was driving down Interstate 71 uh, outside of LaGrange, and I saw a car pulled over to the side of the road. Uh, uh, A quarter mile or so up, there was a guy walking with a gas can. And so me, being the deductive genius that I am, I thought, that guy must have run out of gas, and he's walking to the LaGrange exit to get him some gas. And so I rode down the window and said, I'll call somebody for you when I get there. No, I didn't do that. I pulled over and I stopped and I said, hey, you need a ride to a gas station. He said, oh, thank you so much. He gets in, we go to the gas station. I don't think anything about it. You know, I was going to LaGrange anyway. It's a mile away. You know, I pull into the gas station. He gets there. He immediately goes, uh, calls somebody on the telephone that's there, uh, comes out, starts getting gas. I'm saying, are you set up now? And he goes, yeah, I'm fine. And uh, I got in the car and I started to leave and he walks over to the window and I think he's going to say thank you or something like that. And he walks over the window and he says, are you a Christian? And I said, uh, yeah. And he said, yeah, I thought so. Because every time I've seen somebody do something nice in the last two or three months, it's been a Christian every time. And then he turned around and walked away. Now, I don't think that That was the whole ball of wax. There was a whole 
three binders here I didn't get to, okay? I never even mentioned God to him. But just by stopping and helping someone, there was a seed that was watered that day. Not because of anything I had done, but because there were already things happening in his life that he was looking at. And there was just a little watering going on. And maybe what happened, what I pray happened, is that in a month or two later, somebody walked up and they got to reap the harvest because seeds were planted and things were watered and it grew. So look for divine encounters. They'll be all around you. And that brings us to the last thing that we see. When this happens, it's going to spread to all of your life. It's going to spread to all of your life. So Nathaniel just says, man, you couldn't have known those things. I believe in you. Look at verse 50. Jesus said, you believe because I told you I saw you under the fig tree. <laughs> You're going to see a lot greater things than that. So Nathaniel's about to come his disciple. He says to Jesus, oh man, nobody could have known I was under the fig tree. You're the Messiah and Lord. And Jesus said, you think that was something? You ain't seen nothing yet. Follow me for the next three years. You're really going to be amazed. What I'm here to tell you is that when you begin to take it to the streets, when you begin to look with open eyes at how you can help and care and move people along the process, when you are there at the moment that somebody gives their life to Christ and you get to help reap that harvest, it will change everything about your life and you will never start looking the same way again. It's a long process, but the results are unbelievable. Anybody here ever eaten that In-N-Out burger out in California? Man, look at all you In-N-Out burger fans. Look at all these people who've been to California, too. Even more amazing. Uh, that's there. Maybe, do they have them in other states? I don't know. Huh? Texas? Well, Texas got everything, doesn't it? I so anyway, In-N-Out burger started in California. Uh, Lindsay Snyder is the uh, uh, current owner of In-N-Out burger. She owns 100% of the shares. It's not a publicly uh, uh, traded company. It's a private family business. Uh, when she was 18, her dad, who founded the company, died. And he left her a trust fund. Her mom kind of went crazy and ran off, couldn't take it. And uh, so from the time she was 18 till she was 27, Lindsay Snyder had three marriages, three kids, was involved in drugs, alcohol. Uh, her whole life was completely out of control. Her last husband was very abusive, uh, beat her, treated her terribly, and um, she finally uh, got away from him, and she was so afraid of being alone. Her father was gone. Her mother was gone. Uh, she had no other brothers and sisters, and yet she said there came a time in her life that she sat there when she was 27, and she began to put together all of the different pieces the times that people had told her about God or that she'd seen a Christian do this or that or that she'd happened to be in a Bible study herself because she did go to church occasionally because it just interested her. And as she began to put all of those pieces together in her house that night, she gave her life to Christ with nobody else around. The person that reaped the harvest was God. But it happened because people had planted seeds and watered and invested in her. When she turned 30, her dad took her, his will took her off the trust fund and she gained 50% control of the company. And she came in and said, I'd like to be president of the company. Now she's still 27 years old. She's been a drug addicted, uh, crazy person for the last nine years. How do you think the executives at In-N-Out Burger like that? 
Not very well. They said, this is a disaster waiting to happen, but we can't stop it. Five years later, at 35, her father's will gave her 100% control of the company. And the first thing she did was start three foundations in California to help the underprivileged and to take the word of God throughout the world and to Africa, especially a foundation that she established there. And when she turned 36 this past year, Lindsay Snyder was the youngest female billionaire in the world with a net worth of $13 billion because her company had tripled in size in the five years that she was president. Here's a picture of Lindsay Snyder right there. You look at her life, though, and you look at her coming to the Lord, and she was in a room by herself. Nobody was preaching to her. Nobody was going through the plan of salvation. Nobody had the three binders. And she gave herself to the Lord that night because it was still a process. Someone had planted a seed. People had watered it and weeded it. She had heard sermons and Bible studies till she came to the point that night that the harvest was reaped and God was glorified. You're going to have an opportunity every day of your life as you encounter people to plant, to water, to weed, to push people forward. It's not a gotcha thing again. It's as you live your life, you live it with intention and open eyes and caring for people. And when you do, one day there's going to be a great harvest. God will be glorified. Let's have a prayer. Father, thank you for your love. Thank you that you have invested in us. Thank you for your son and our salvation. Help us to be grateful and to want others to have that as well. In Jesus' name. Amen. Well, we come to this time of invitation, and this is just a time for you to uh, respond to what God is saying to you. You can come and pray at this altar. Have ministers that would love to pray with you. Come and say, I want to join this church and be a part of what this church is doing. You can look at your life right now. I'd encourage everybody to do this and say, Lord, help me this week to live with intention, with open eyes. And just look for times to plant and weed this week. And the most important decision you could ever make is to come down the aisle and say you want Jesus in your life. And if you do, it's not going to be because probably I preached a sermon that wowed you today, but because other people planted seeds and watered and weeded till you came to this moment. But this is your time and your opportunity as we stand together and we sing.
today's lesson and that it spoke to you. If you have prayer needs or want more information about us, we invite you to stop by our website, mywrbc.org, and click on contact. Please use the word podcast in the subject line. You can also find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Keyword, mywrbc. At Westport Road Baptist Church, we love God and love people. Please join us for Sunday morning service at either 9.30 a.m. or 11 a.m. We also have Sunday school for all ages during both service times. Thanks again for listening and join us next week for another message from God's Word.